Are you or a loved one looking for mobility and accessibility solutions in Sudbury? Look no further than Silvercross Sudbury. Silvercross Sudbury is your trusted source for a wide range of mobility, aids, and home accessibility products. They're dedicated to improving your independence and quality of life. Visit their showroom at 760 Notre Dame Avenue or call them at 705-222-0700. Your independence is their priority. Thank you, Silvercross Sudbury. More importantly, Dean and Chantal Jacqueline for supporting our podcast and making a difference in the lives of our listeners since day one. Seems as though I've lived my life on the bad side of the moon To stir your drags and sickness still without a rustic spoon Now come on people, live with me where the light has never shown And my hornets flock like hummingbirds speaking in a foreign tongue Isn't my life, isn't my life, isn't my life, my life all righty, everybody. Welcome to week 131 of Behind the Bench. It is Tom. It is Chim Mono Imano for this edition of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Roberto is uh, busy doing business, and Mason, uh, you know, can. Uh, Mason's a busy man as well, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, week 131, we are back in action. Boys celebrated three-year anniversary with a bunch of new stuff. Also, we had Joe Bowen on the podcast, of course. That was the big uh, big surprise last week, and uh, we were pumped to have him on the podcast and, and chat. Um, but we are back for another edition of the podcast, a new week, a new time, a new era. Of BTB is here. Tommy, how you doing? Doing fantastic, buddy. We've got a lot of good feedback uh, about the Joe Bowen interview. A lot of people were texted to me actually about it. And uh, Chim, kudos to you, buddy. You clipped it up, put it on our YouTube page. So if you haven't seen it, listeners, um, if you want to take a look at the man himself, Joe Bowen, you, you can find it on our YouTube page. It's up on YouTube as well. Things are good here over uh, on my NL. Um, you mentioned three-year anniversary. I can't believe it's been, it's been that long. I was tweeting and sharing everything that time flies when you're having fun that's basically how i can sum it up uh it's been a hell of a ride and obviously thanks to everyone that listens every day i know we have a lot of diehard btb fans and obviously some of them are close are are our close friends but um the big thank you to our sponsors too i guess we haven't really we did a little bit last week but without them man it's uh one we wouldn't be able to do the zoom i mean we'd be able to do the free version but the sponsors have been taking care of us all this equipment we use every day Without them, uh, you know, the quality of this show wouldn't be as good. So, uh, other than that, Halloween's coming up. I know we'll talk a little bit about that. I've just been doing uh, a lot of walks at Bell Park, dude. It's a great time of year. I got the Panagonia out now, Jim. You'll be seeing this probably for six months straight. You know, I rock this every episode. It keeps me warm. Uh, It's not winter yet, but, you know, it's getting colder. I went for a nice walk tonight and uh, got my steps in. The leaves are changing colors. They already did, but you know it was very nice. Very nice out there. Clear, clear the brain out after a, a Monday back to work. Mondays suck. Do they ever just suck? There's no other way to put it. If you're someone that enjoys Monday, let me know. I mean, I know how you feel about Mondays, but we were texting a little bit last night, Sunday. So um, other than that, I'll send it over to you. Mono ni mono. I always got to do a little bit longer of an intro because it's only me and you, but I'll keep it at that. 
Yeah, uh, well said, bud. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, a good Monday as we're uh, recording here on Monday. But um, yeah, everything's good. I'm in uh, week three of placement. Got evaluated last week. That went well. Um, everything is smooth sailing, learning lots, and uh, and having fun at the same time. Uh, started coaching with GSSC to oh, Tom. Yeah, how's that go? How's that go? Yeah, How are the uh, the mass text from Giuseppe himself? It run quite a system uh, over novels eh? yeah quite a system but uh but you do need it to, to run it smooth so i um, know it was good uh happy to be helping out there as well and yeah three-year anniversary was good we had a big post obviously the boys dropped yeah, uh, our new logo um thought it was time for a little bit of an upgrade to the logo it was a solid base, but I always knew we could take it to an, another level. And I think it's a little bolder, a little cleaner, has a couple things that, you know, tells the people who we are. And I think our shirts are unbelievable as well with the smokestack and obviously the new logo um, on the back. It's I think it's hard to beat. Those are live on Missing's website. You can get them uh, now, folks. They are electric. Um, and, yeah, the new logo, very, uh, very happy. People seem to be... Uh, it's seemed to be uh, received well. So, um, yeah, pumped about it, pumped about mm-hmm. it, and uh, pumped to get another shirt out for the people and just keep providing content uh, as we go along here. It was a big week for the boys, and, uh, yeah, it was awesome, awesome time. And um, we, had to, we, we got to celebrate. Obviously, we'll get into the walls. We celebrated on Friday at the game. But I wanted to ask you, how was um, the Haunted House this week? And I know you did that with your family. Oh yeah, thanks for teen that. Uh, yeah, no problem, buddy. Because I didn't really do much after the Wolves played Friday, and I know we were to get, I guess, into the weekend. But how was the haunted house for you? Yeah, so we went to Northern uh, Screams out in Blizzard Valley. Um, we've done it with my mom and cousins forever. And no, for eight years. Okay, eight years. We did it when they used to do it, like the terror train out in Capriol. Now we're doing it. Uh, now we're doing it here in um in Blizzard Valley. Same uh, same company that puts on the production. It's always a good time. It's lots of fun. I'm not a big uh, haunted house guy, but I'm there for the, for the laughs and the good time. And uh, it is it was always fun when we do it. So um, how I long you get scared? How long are you in the house? Like in the house for? Is that like a question? Three, maybe three, four minutes max. Eh? Uh, okay. Yeah. And the music's bumping. Like have you ever done the one in, in Niagara? And is it Clifton Hills? Is, is that, oh, that one? Yeah, but that one's legit. Dude, that I did one legit. when we were on you our grade eight chip. And I think that's why I haven't done one since. It, it, it felt like an hour, but I think it was only 20 minutes or so. And yeah, it see, was it was legit, Jim. Like yeah, I don't know if I you can can't do get those. out. Like, yeah, I don't know if I can do the, like, the big, big ones. So do you have like the chain with like... You're touching someone's shoulders ahead of you the whole time? Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. like crawl spaces you had to go through. Jeez. There's pop-ups. The actors are right there yelling at you. Yeah. It's pretty, it's cool. It's, uh, it's the production they put on is, uh, very well done. So yeah, no, it is very cool. Do recommend. Oh, We're going to another one in Cape Cod. I don't know, uh, what's happening out there, but my mom found another one. So she loves that. Uh, looks, well, looks good for you guys, man. Loves that right up rally. Yeah. Big time. Um, all right. Well, Tom, let's uh move it on now. Yeah, I don't really have our... much else, man. I'm trying to think. Okay. Yeah. Sounds no, no, moving. We can move it along. I, I'm sure my uh 
my brain will bring me back to some something. So perfect. We are going to move it on to our performance of the week, and it is now newly and proudly sponsored by Tristan Ritchie at Lake City Real Estate. So this is the Tristan Ritchie Lake City Real Estate Performers of the Week. Are you ready to make your real estate dreams come true in Sudbury? Look no further than Tristan Ritchie at Lake City Real Estate. Tristan is your dedicated, knowledgeable, and passionate real estate expert, ready to guide you through every step of your property journey. Whether you're buying your first home, upgrading to your dream house, or selling a property, Tristan Ritchie has the experience and expertise to make it happen. With a deep understanding of the Sudbury market, Tristan will help you find that perfect property that suits your needs and budget. Trust his local insight and dedication to ensuring you get the best deal possible. But it's not just about buying and selling. It's about creating a seamless and enjoyable real estate experience. Tristan prides himself on being a true partner on your journey. He listens to your goals and works tirelessly to make them a reality. So if you're ready to embark on your real estate adventure in Sudbury, reach out to Tristan Ritchie at Lake City Real Estate. Your dream home is just a phone call away. Contact him today and let's make your real estate dreams come true. Tristan Ritchie, the man, we are pumped to have him on board with BTB and yeah, performers go, of the baby. week. Here we go, Tom. What do you got? I got, uh, it happened last week, but uh, soon to be guest in the near future. I got Gavin Roy, Jim, committing to the Washington State University to play the Division One baseball. Uh, he went to St. Charles College, so obviously I had to give this guy my performer of the week former high school of mine as well and just a study he played junior college and then obviously ended up here now playing uh, d1 so kind of similar ride to what savar did obviously we're close with him and love to see another Sudbury guy going to play d1 baseball so he'll be a guest soon and then uh have him on love it great great time um, i'm gonna go to the hockey rink gotta shout out uh, our boy zach Giroux, lil g zach Giroux coming back home and what could have been his last time playing in the Sudbury Arena in the OHL, scoring twice and lifting Flint over, lifting Flint to W there you over go. the, That's the loaded Sudbury Wolves. Um, so big congrats to G. He always lights it up when he's in the Sudbury Arena and it was an electric factor of a show that he put on. So big congrats to him. Um, Tom, uh, honorable mention, I'm going to give a shout out to the Sudbury Celebrity Hockey Classic, which raised over $130,000 for Easter Seals. Featured Ron Duguay, Ally Frady, Wendell Clark, Brad May, Tessa Bonham, amongst others. Um, and uh, obviously raising $130,000 for Easter Seals. That is fantastic. So congrats to them. And those are our Tristan Ritchie, Lake City Real Estate Performers of the week okay Tomasov Corny's bulletin board off we go survivor pool like we always started off we're down to nine people uh Buffalo Bills was the pick that burned yeah, what uh, a tough everybody. game man they tough look game. they they're shaky uh, I talk about a roller coaster team I think that's the Buffalo Bills are number one I, Josh Allen can look like they're a week-to-week team man a week to week is a week. Like Josh Allen can be the best quarterback ever, and then he can be the worst. I don't know what's going on with their offense. They they destroyed Miami. 
and then they, you know, lay a goose egg to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't very good. But I'll let you continue on. I can't believe there's only nine left already. No, yeah, it's uh, it's electric. The picks that got people in were uh, the Seahawks and the Browns, and we have one 49ers that we will find out uh, tonight if it gets through. But wild, wild stuff, folks, uh, in the survivor pool. Okay, moving on, Tom. Uh, we didn't get to chat about it last week, but we mm-hmm. might as well chat about it this week. With the golf uh, coming to an end here, very sad times, we did have one more thing to look forward to, and it was the Sonny Gowalko Cup. Tom, you have never won this thing before, <laughs> and uh, you did become victorious uh, last weekend. Sorry, two weekends ago now. Yeah, two weekends. And uh, it was an awesome time, but Tom, you are the winner, so I will give you the floor here to run the people through the Sunny Gowalko Cup. Yeah, I mean, um, big thanks to you for getting me involved a couple of years back. I mean, this is the probably the number one tournament I look forward to. Even scratch off the invite in the Lively Men's Open. This is something I have marked in my calendar. It's um, you know, sixteen dudes coming together in eight v eight Ryder Cup style, and um, obviously captains rotate. And you kind of already told everyone how it works. And um, me and Anthony Zilio kind of got this. Back in the day, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas vibe right now were undefeated in two straight years. So hope I'm really hopeful that whoever um, we do know who the captains are, but I want them to choose us on the same team. I think we're stock for uh, Low Aggie and uh, alternate shot. We ended up taking you down um, an alternate shot with Chris Clark. So that was the whole talk. I mean, um, everyone was kind of complaining that me and Zillio talk a lot of smack and don't really play the best opponents and your team sent out the two best dogs to maybe beat us and uh didn't last very long so anyways me and zell got some sort of jazz when we when we're out there together that um it's kind of unmatched it's it's really unmatched it's a great time um yeah like you mentioned i won it's i have the cup in the basement i don't want to bring it on screen i don't want to make you cry right now jim it's a great feeling, buddy. I slept with it the, the, the day or the day after. Yeah, no, not the day after, the day of when we won. So it's um, it's the best feeling. I can't wait to go back to back. Hopefully I can. It's really all I got. Yeah, I played great. Okay. I was 2 one I mean, I contributed as best I can to my team. And uh, not like the half point really mattered because we already found out um, that we did win when I was on the 18th hole or 18 tee box. So. Can't complain, buddy. It was a great end to my honestly fantastic summer of golf. Thanks a lot to the Johnny Boy at the basement. I give him shout out all the time, but he's uh, got me prepped and have a uh, good winter season coming up here too. So it's a great way to end off for me. I'll let you run through your thoughts on the losing end. Like what did it for you guys? Yeah, I I have no idea. And yeah, I, think, I know. Uh, like it's tough. I it's just... tough to say as a champ. Like, I mean, everything just went white. Everything went went right i mean every um match that we were in i thought Ryder, our captain did a great job putting the team out and kevin as assistant captain like i was not worried what whatsoever i since friday's even matches it was 2-2 call that a wash i just still felt that we were gonna win like i i, I just never thought oh my god their team's better they're gonna wax us like i never thought of that so yeah um, after day one, tied two two, which is low. Yeah, lively. 
I didn't feel bad. The only thing I was worried about was the fashion that me and Mayhew lost on 18. Kind of a heartbreaker. Oh, buddy, we, led that the, was bad. we led the entire match. We led the entire match to lose it on 18 with a tee shot in the bush from the other team uh, was very tough. And then just couldn't rebound after that. Alternate shot, I mean, you were there for it, Tom. We, I wanted you guys. Um, we couldn't get the mole up to uh, what you guys uh, were at, and that's uh, credit to you guys. Good mole. Good mole. It <laughs> doesn't matter how good or bad you're playing so, if you have good mole. Me and Clark certainly did not have that. No. And no, then it led no right mole. into singles. Um, where was we were down 5-3 heading into singles, and that's kind of a tough – uh, feet to come back from yeah. um, especially when not all the boys are clicking and we we did not so it just wasn't uh, the year and I think a couple matchups we could have done a little bit differently but that's just looking with uh, with uh, hindsight but uh, it's fine mm-hmm. uh, my name's been up there on that uh, yeah, that's fair. a bit that's I'm fair. happy to see a lot of new names up there and I'm I do have some motivation to come back and uh, go three and zero next uh, next year. So excited for it! Um, it's nothing better, and I did it just before hopping on. I'm getting the group chat going. I just sent me and Zilio's pick of us with the trophy, just getting Clarky going. Yeah. One shout don't out. Don't think I'll forget uh, those pictures if I'm if we're, you're not on my team next year. Don't think, buddy. We haven't been on the pictures. team together. I think we would be. We'd put some jam together wow. to me and you. I mean, it would, yeah. But it's right. hard to break you and Zillio up right now. No, I know. Right now. But like I'd I'd love you as another twosome. Like if yeah. me and Zill and you want like you know, celebrating with you would be fantastic. I mean, watching you lose is almost better. But um <laughs> shout out to your close friend. He was on my team for the tournament. Benjamin Rain singles. And this is not me bluffing here, listeners. He won his singles match. On the tenth, on the tenth green, like he won ten the and tenth t tenth tenth sorry, ten and eight is ten that what eight. it? Yeah, <laughs> never in my life, like he didn't tie a hole. He won every single ten and hole. nine technically. Yeah, ten and yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah. Technically, he had to play ten didn't, though, they didn't, didn't he? They didn't finish ten. The tenth was conceded, so I guess you could oh. say. Oh I thought they actually played the, the 10th hole. hole was conceded on. The wow, team. man. That was as soon as we got that text in the group chat midway through, I was like, there's no way we're losing this now. Like I was, I was the last group with you actually. And I was like on seven or eight. I'm like, Ben already got a point. Got technically six, three. I felt great about it. I said, the, the cups ours. like, I just got to kind of stay in it. Make sure there's no mo out of you and run, see who I was playing. And, kind of kept an even keel but the whole time me and colton are like yep we got this thing in the bag that was a huge first point for us so ben rain he was a huge part of our team yeah and uh obviously to top it off we posted the video on uh on our instagram but yep. uh sunny guaco did come down and for all the older listeners everyone knows sunny guaco he's a he's a local legend and uh he gave a, another great speech so happy that he gets to come and uh, present the trophy. We get to take a picture with him, but uh, he did. He did say to always do, uh, always do a kind deed a day, um, because you never know who, who needs it most. And yeah, he's a, an absolute gem. So it was awesome that he was there. Awesome stuff. Um, okay, moving on to our OHL 
uh, and Wolves recap, Tom, to go through the conference here for you. Um, in the East, it goes Steelhead, Pete, Wolves, Battalion, and 67s at the top five. The Pete's have a game in hand, and the 67s have two games in hand. In the West, Kitch, Sue, London, Guelph, and the Sarnia Sting um, are your top five there, Tom. The Wolves had a, an interesting weekend. Um, you want to talk about a big week. Dalibor Dvorsky uh, joined the Serbian Wolves. Now, when this came about, when so I remember the dra- around the draft, the NHL draft, he had signed in wherever, I think it was Swedish Elite League or, or somewhere mm-hmm. out there. And it was like, well, I go, that's set in stone. There's no chance this guy's coming over here. But I said, if they got him, this team would be even scarier than they are. And lo and behold, the buzz, Benny Leeson dropping a Wolf bomb. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, it was Wednesday morning saying, hearing talks that Dalibor Dvorsky may be joining the club. And sure enough, he joined. Uh, and it was absolutely uh, electric. The buzz was going nuts. Like, he's a 10th overall draft pick in the NHL. He's legit. And we got to see him play Friday. But as that Wednesday happened, Tom, all the buzz, we went to the rink. They were playing Mississauga, number one Mississauga. The Wolves end up beating them 5-2 there, but not without delay as a chunk of the ice came out on the half wall right by the Wolves bench, um, which gave like, a, I think there was like a 30-minute delay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just stuff, you, you know, only happens at the Sudbury Arena. Um, only happens at the Sudbury Arena. So uh, a lot of the new arena buzz uh, was put out there. Um, right off top, Howler was holding a sign and had a good chuckle from that for sure. But uh, moving on, Dvorsky makes his debut Friday. Yep. They lose 4-3 to Flint. I mentioned in the bios, uh, in the Tristan Ritchie performers of the week, Little G with two goals, uh, and they win 4-3. I thought the Flint goalie was phenomenal. Yeah. He was fantastic in that game. And I think Krawchuk struggled in that game and he obviously got pulled in which uh in which uh Bondris came in for him and that's sorry Nathan Day from uh Flint who stopped 30 of 33 shots. But Tom Dvorsky overall watching him play he scored first of all from legit the rock star zone. That <laughs> shot goal line, yeah. came from the goal line. That's the Danny Heatley fifty and 07 rock star zone, and <laughs> that thing was launched. Tom, we had the perfect angle of it. Like it was such a sick shot. Like that's an NHL shot right there. And uh, obviously, you know they still lost, but it was still electric to see. And Tom, they loaded up the first line mm-hmm. with. Dvorsky at center and Goyet and Musty on the wings. And you could tell it's going to take a couple of games, but Dvorsky is going to get comfortable and they are going to gel. And the best part is, Tom, is they got him early. They didn't get him at the deadline. They got him very early into the season. That's a good point. Season. I didn't think of that. Yeah. 
So and for lots of time to gel. Nothing. For nothing. That's the best part. Nothing. Now there is a price you do have to pay. You do lose Jakob Kromiak in the yep. back, and it looks like he will be gone. You can only carry two imports. They're not obviously going to get rid of Andres. So unfortunately, what sucks about this type of situation is Kromiak is the odd man out. I'm sure he's going to get traded somewhere. Uh, well, he'll be in a good spot, and the Wolves can hopefully get some type of defenseman uh, back to fill into that rotation there. But mm-hmm. then, moving on to Barry, the Wolves have a gutsy road win uh, in Barry 5-3, and I believe the power play started clicking a little bit more there. The game was, uh, they were 3-5, for five, and the game was um, absolutely filled with penalties. Um, I believe, which uh, which is, you know, a classic Barry Sudbury game. Um, for a Saturday, for sure. Yeah. And I think, Tom, also, you know, we talk about number 11, Landon McCallum. He's starting to really find his groove there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting, uh, interesting year. And, but let's talk about Dvorsky, Tom. I want to get yeah. uh, your thoughts on, on I guess we haven't really talked, you know, in a deeper dive about this guy. Like you mentioned the buzz Wednesday, dude. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even remember that they got him in the import draft. And when I saw 10th overall, like I remember watching the draft and I'm like, I wanted Toronto to get him and hopefully fall late to first round. But clearly he's a top 10 pick. Chum, I think early in the pre or draft rankings, he was ranked like top four, top five. So he is absolutely no joke. Um, I can't remember the, like the, well, I do remember the last time the Wolves had two first round NHL draft picks, I think was Stahl and Felino. If I'm not mistaken, Jim. That's right. Right. So then, you know, you know, you get those feelings. Yeah. You get those feelings. The old seven feeling. Yeah. So let me give you my thoughts on this guy. Um, We saw him in person, like you mentioned Friday and we had our three anniversary little shinding. So it was a fantastic night. The barn was packed, Jim. And this guy will solely put bleep, beep, beep in the seats. He's going to put hats in the seats. You this guy, bums in seats. Yeah. Bums in seats. It was packed, man. It was packed. And this guy was coming from a time change across the world, coming in Thursday morning or whatever and played the next day. And he still looked phenomenal, Jim. I think he is, um, you know, Gotta crack the team in the NHL next year, if like definitely the AHL. He's just so good, both ends of the puck, both sides of the puck. Like you can notice, he plays like a pro. He plays. He plays like a pro. Like he kind of don't remember much, but like a young Johnny T in the OHL gym, just like a stud offensively, can get it going that way. But like, won't you? He won't get scored on, and like. Having them on a line with Goyette and Musty, and it's not no criticism against them because they're they're still young and still figuring out their game. I find Musty and Goyette very offensive minded, right? So having a guy that can you know back it up and be like almost a third defense or the third man high and let those two do everything down low, like the line's gonna be unstoppable. And yeah, how has every Mem Cup team in the past or OHL teams that win? What do they have, Jim? What's the recipe? They have one line one or two D and a goalie that stands on their head and keep them. I mean, you can break them up and have, you know, a really, really good top six, but I still think your second line, like you mentioned, McCallum can still lead that line as an McCallum, right? Connie and Dalek. That's an unreal yeah, second line. Exactly. Um, I, I just think, um, 
what we mentioned two weeks ago when we talked about it, the power play was horror awful. It was awful. Like one for, I don't even know, 50, one for 45. This guy yeah. came in, I think they're like four for seven since he's been there. So yeah. like, and we just have an Emma. Yeah. And when Meanie gets back to like, it, it'll come, it'll come like. But just adding one, yeah. adding one player, man, changes so much. It's like he might provide another step of leadership in the room. Um, his his English is actually phenomenal. He did an oh, interview, yeah. and I'm like, I didn't think it was that good because I was like the Czech background or whatever. I thought maybe it wouldn't be that good, but um, I was pretty impressed with that. Like, since he's the 10th overall, since he's entry-level contract signed, it's just like, I know Subri has a few of those, but just another superstar in the room that can be like, okay, guys, let's take this team over the hump and win it all. Like, I know that group sure. that they had had belief in themselves and bitter taste last year getting swept, but, like, adding this guy, and we mentioned you you, you got him for not trading anybody. Like, I know you mentioned you have to lose Chromiak, and the one thing I wanted to say about that, I think they were friends, Jim. Well, yeah, um, they're both Slovak. Uh, Slovak family friends, too, Slovak. right? So it'd be yeah. like me taking your spot, which would have probably happened. Um, forward for a D, you know, center for a D, and he, yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I just think adding this guy in the room, I don't know, man, it's just, a different buzz. It kind of takes the press away from Goyen and Musty a little bit. Give all the microphone to this guy, and like it's his team now. And now Goyen and Musty can still produce. Like a little bit of pressure off everybody. I mentioned the power play. He's going to help a lot. So I'm really, really excited and really good bounce back win um, against Barry. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, divorce. got tossed from that game. Yeah, I saw uh, that for a slew foot. I saw the replay. To me, they just got tied up, and obviously. Uh, the OHL agreed with that because he did not get suspended, which it is an automatic uh, suspension for a slew foot. Okay, so, so he got the pro uh, pass there. Oh uh, yeah, he could. He could, uh, he could have What's this a, penalty Friday at the at the Flint game that they were calling? The that blindside we penalty. I've never yeah, heard what, that before. What is that? And we he's were out with the OHL referee. I don't want to mention his name, and he's like, "That penalty's always been there." I'm like, "I've never." Like yeah. every game last year, I don't think that's been called once when we were there. Maybe, but blindside head usually it was a legal check to the head no i thought that's what they used to call it yeah no uh i think it's a rule that's obviously it's a rule that's been implemented and i guess it's used now but yeah wild wild stuff um yeah that's really that's what i got buddy the other thing i'll touch on about the wolfers before we move on i think the the problem we're starting to see though with the the bottom, sorry, with the bottom six mostly, yep. is people need to start finding their roles, and I think they got to be given their roles as well. Like I know everyone wants to be a skill guy, and I think everyone on that team has the capability to be a skill guy. But if you want to win, you know that bottom six is playing some hard minutes where you know they're getting the puck deep, um, getting you know shots on net. Not being as creative, you know what I mean, Tom? Just playing some hard-nosed, gritty, playoff-style like hockey. So I think, you know, that top line is going to give a a trickle-down effect as well, especially, you know, Dvorsky. um, And you notice, again, the pro in him, you know, he's only taking 30, 40-second shifts, whereas, you know, Masigoy will go out there, they'll Mm -hmm. snap around. If they have a chance to score, they're going to stay out there for a minute and a half, you know what I mean, where, and then that trickles down to where the guys are like, well, these guys play not long. I want to put my time in as well, right? So I think everyone's got to buy in here, um, you know, kind of put the Eagles aside. And 
if they want to win, uh, they'll find their roles and, and find it quick. I think some yeah. guys just need to start going more north-south, getting to the front of that and keeping it a, a little more simple, especially on the uh, on the bottom six. But I think it'll all come together. Mm-hmm. And again, that's obviously up to uh, Kenny McKenzie as well and the coaching staff um, to get those roles in place for those guys. Yeah, I um, think uh, I think it's a perfect time, though, Jim, just to feed off what you said is find a shutdown line. I don't feel like they've had a line that can just – match up i they they always go heavy on heavy like i like to see like maybe a third line like a i'm not calling him the third line but like a farah like who's really good defensively like a Vilnov who's a pest that plays tough like those guys and like yearwood or something them three on a line to be playing against the ohl or the other team's best line you free up Dvorsky and musty to play against like their second option right i don't know you mentioned identity and that's a really good point i just give them something that they look forward to. Like, and I'm going back to when I played, like I used to play against the other team's best players, but I wasn't the best on our team. I just loved that as my role. Like I loved making sure they didn't score and then everyone else on my, on my team produced. And that's how we won games. It's like, give them something that they can look forward to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, okay. Moving on to the nodes uh, here. Quick Thomas will run through the standings. Um, in the East, Powassan, Timmins, Hurst is your top three. And in the West, the Sioux Eagles, Sioux T-Birds jump up quick. Tom, the Sioux T-Birds are on a 10-0-1-1 streak. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. They're on a heater, and the Sioux yeah. Eagles are 9-1 in their last 10 um, as well. So they've really picked up in the Cubs are sin in third right now, 12 uh, and four. So that is your uh, top six in the league right now, folks. Um, okay, moving on, Tom. High school football, we have reached our city finals. That's going to go down Friday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Llewellyn Lively. Desi gets a chance at redemption. Llewellyn looking for the three. Pre- Llewellyn beat St. Ben's 30 to 10. Uh, in the semifinals, lively beat LaSalle 37 to 6. So obviously the top two teams uh throughout the entire year are gonna battle out. And obviously Llewellyn did thump lively earlier in the year. And uh let's see if Lively can make it uh, a closer game here. It's gonna be very interesting for sure. Okay, on to our interview now, Tom. Um we have never had uh someone in racing yeah, race cars. So <laughs> Um, electric stuff. We had Zach yeah. Vanier, Vanier uh, join the podcast. Um, friends with Paulo Grassi. Uh, obviously, uh, Technica is a big uh, sponsor of his car. So um, it was a great chat and uh, excited for you to listen uh, to Zach Vanier. So without any further ado, let's send it off to him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are headed to the racetrack. Tom, for the first time in our podcast history from Garson, Ontario, this person has been lighting it up on the North American stage, winning the Porsche 992 GT3 Cup of the Porsche Sprint Challenge, winning 12 out of 14 races this season. Talk about domination, Tom. It's a pleasure to welcome Zachary Vanier to the B2B podcast. How you doing? What a what an what an introduction! That's that's <laughs> that's for sure. You got a rank on one of the top three. That was uh, that was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. 
um yeah like I mentioned my first podcast so uh super excited a little bit nervous but yeah looking forward to uh diving into it and love it with with the bigger guests Zach like me and you are both from Garson and Chim still doesn't allow me to do the intro so <laughs> he, he knows I wasn't gonna mess it up but I mean yeah Chim you killed it buddy good job uh well hey that's what we're we're here to hype up uh, our guests here for sure absolutely for sure. um okay Zach take us through the past few weeks obviously winning uh winning the circuit and in dominating fashion how did it feel that to finally seal the deal in uh, in indianapolis yeah of course i mean i think it's it quite frankly i don't think it's sunk in yet um you know it was such a such a big win for us such a big season uh you know our, our first time heading heading uh across the border um racing in the uh in the states uh you know the porsche sprint challenge north america program was um you know a, a huge step for me in my career um you know just you know having having raced only in canada but yeah. And then just to have the season that we did, you know, um, winning 12 of 14 races, it was, uh, yeah, it was quite surreal. And then to cap it all off at Indianapolis, you know, win uh, two races there, get to get to kiss the famous bricks and just, yeah, celebrate the whole thing. It was, it was, it was quite, uh, quite humbling. Yeah, no doubt. That's so sick, dude. So sick. Um, and I guess for, for those of us, um, that don't know, and a lot of people are not obviously in tune, um, with racing and we're excited to get you on to, to give a, a different perspective, but, I guess, tell us where this cup kind of sits amongst, you know, other popular circuits in the world racing circuits. Like uh, Indianapolis, you mean? Or j- just the whole Porsche, uh, the Porsche Sprint uh, Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's so Porsche Motorsports North America. They've they've formed what they call the uh, Porsche Pyramid. Um, so it's you know, it's it's formed alongside their uh, North America Junior Program, uh, you know, which I, I have the honor to be a part of. Um, but so like basically you 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 start at the bottom of the pyramid, which would be the Porsche Sprint Challenge North America program. And then you would graduate into uh, Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup North America, which is what uh, you know we have our eyes on next year. And then you move up the pyramid into the IMSA WeatherTech uh, Sports Car Championship, which is like the pinnacle of uh, sports car racing in North America, um, you know, with the end goal uh, to race for Porsche Motorsports North America and Penske Motorsports in their uh, GTB hyper, uh, Porsche 963 car. Okay. Very cool. Very so, cool. A little development. Uh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like the start of a, of a, of a long journey ahead, but yeah, it's, uh, it's motivating. Yeah, no doubt. So how did you get into racing in the first place? Like how did that all come about for you? Yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting, uh, response I get to, to this question because my, my family has zero racing history in it. You know, you'd think, okay. And this is something I was having a conversation with, with my dad last night at dinner actually was, you know, you people, they, they think because you're racing, you know, it's, it's a sport that you don't really just get into. It's, you know, normally it's because you have a huge family background in it and it was your great grandfather who then passed it on to your grandfather and so forth. Um, but honestly, like my entire career stemmed from my dad. Uh, you know, he, he had the opportunity to race snowmobiles later on in life in his, in his, in his mid twenties, um, cool. you know, just before he had me. And then once he had me, um, you know, he just financially couldn't afford to do both, but he was, you know, very, uh, invested in, in, in starting my career young. You know, I, I started racing at two and a half years old. So, wow. um, you know, yeah, he, he, he got me into it early and then, yeah, it just, it just uh, sprung from there. Okay. Wow, wicked. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously getting a little bit of inspiration from, from your dad, but like, did you know when you wanted to pursue this at a competitive level? Was there a certain moment for you? Maybe, I don't know when you're turning 15, 16 for the first time, and you're like, okay, I'm going to take this to the next level. Yeah. I think for me, I, I'm very lucky because I, I I was born into it. You know, it's, it's right. all I 
it's, it's all I ever know. It's all I've ever done. So, um, you know, the older I got, of course, the more my, my interest and my passion, you know, grew for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, yeah, I would say probably when I was mm, like, you know, seven, seven or eight years old, you know, it was really when I, I decided that, you know, this was what I wanted to do for a career. Um, which led into a few years later, making the switch from snowmobile racing into go-karts, uh, you know, to really, to really kickstart that, that chance of trying to make it a career. Gotcha. No doubt. And I guess what was the transition like, obviously two different beasts for sure, heading into, into go-karting, but what was it like finally getting into, you know, on, on pavement type deal? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, of course the biggest thing was the weather, um, you know, yeah. Snowcross, I was racing, you know, sometimes we were like minus 52 in Rouen. Come on. It's crazy cold, like could barely feel your hands, like could barely tell you were actually holding the handlebars, Um, you know, to to going into a summer sport that, you know, like you said, they're just two opposite sports. Um, They require two different characteristics. So I think um, it took a little bit of time for me to adapt you know, for sure. But I think, you know, I'm, I was, I'm quite confident in saying that, you know, I think I adapted quickly than, than it was expected. Right. Um, and then, yeah, just, just found a, found a, found a huge home for it within the sport. You know, it's a, it's a really big world, but it's also small at the same time because everybody knows everybody. Um, and it's, yeah, it just becomes a family thing at the end of the day, for sure. So well, where would you train and practice for like for racing for this like would you go down south more to toronto or was there anything kind of in Sudbury when you were growing up uh so in terms of the the snow cross we were a bit more fortunate uh just because we get so much snow here yeah that's sure. true <laughs> so I, I i grew up racing with with uh the gervais i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with jacob jacob and sarah gervais Oh, okay. I know, I know okay. Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same age as she just got married actually this past, past yeah, weekend. One of my that. same age as my brother, actually. So I do know who that is. Yeah. yeah Brady, her and uh, Brady Riley just got married. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I grew up racing with them. Um, and yeah, like Bruno was, was, uh, was making tracks in their backyard. So we were able to, you know, practice in between the races. Um, a lot, a, a lot of guys were heading down South for it, uh, like into the States and stuff. And I, I wasn't, we didn't quite do that right off the bat. Um, I did. I made a few appearances in the states and the snowcross stuff, but you know, mainly just focused in Canada. Um, but I think, yeah, just living in the north really, really helped that because we had so much snow. So it's, you know, although our winter season, you know, it's the I would say the longest part of our year. Um, you know, we were really able to able to utilize that, and then you kind of you know start training in the gym and whatnot throughout the summer to to make sure you're ready for the following uh, fall. Okay, gotcha. And in terms of karting, was it a, a lot? Were you able to train here? Obviously, there's Sudbury Carways, but I'm not sure uh, if that was the the top tier place. But yeah, yeah. So that that's that's where I started my my, cool. my first year. Yeah, my first year, I was uh, competing in novice in Sudbury. Um, I did. I made a few appearances to uh, Lombardi Cartways in Ottawa, um, and you know had great success. So then the following years, when we really really kick started it and. Um, you know, quite frankly, if you wanted to be recognized and, you know, you wanted opportunities, you had to go down south. That's where all the big racing series were. Um, and that's where all the attraction was. So we were, you know, at times at like our peak racing uh, seasons, you know, I think my dad and I were home for maybe one or two weekends a summer. You know, we were gone on the road every single weekend. We were racing at 11 or 12 different tracks in a year. You know, we, we went to uh, uh, Nova Scotia. We were traveling like all over down south. It just became a, 
yeah, a huge traveling circus, if you will, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what the, they, they say in F1 too, obviously. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and Drive to Survive, it's a legit a traveling circus and and a huge sacrifice for sure um but uh but obviously the dedication and uh, it's it's definitely paid off and you, you know you found your stride here in, in 2016 winning the national uh Canadian national karting championship which uh was sick what was it like winning on that national stage yeah that, that, I think that's what really really put me on the map I would say I think um you know up until then like you know I I was building a good resume for myself people knew who I was they knew you know, I was consistently quick and I was clean as well. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, wrecking others and I wasn't, you know, uh, crashing carts. And, um, you know, we were consistently in the top five. And then, yeah, that was like my first big national win. Um, you know, of course, something I'll never forget just because of, of how big it was. And then it was kind of after that, that, you know, the next question between myself and my support system was, you know, like, what's next? Like, where do we go from that? It's you you do see a lot of guys stay in go-karting uh, longer, but, you know, we we you know, fortunately had the opportunity to move on into cars and it was, you know, we tried to do it as fast as we could, but also as organized and planned as we could so that it wasn't rushed and didn't, you know, succeed as great as it could. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Um, And you mentioned support system and you mentioned a few times already about, you know, referencing to, to your success as us and like a team aspect, I guess, how much behind the scenes goes into your success on, on, on the, on the road. And I guess the whole team, what does the whole team look like? Yeah, it's uh it's kind of a sport where I, I get a lot of the recognition just because I, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm performing um, and Absolutely. finishing. Um, but it it's, it's a lot of the, the work that it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's all the work that happens behind the scenes that allows me to perform like I do. So um, yeah. And, you know, my dad, it's, it's his commitment and sacrifice, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, long nights on the road, driving through the night, time off work, uh, you know, his, his work has, you know, quite, quite frankly, been really well um, with us throughout my entire career. Um, yeah, the team, uh, the guys and girls are, you know, putting an extreme amount of hours at the shop, making sure the cars are prepped so that when we show up, you know, we have a good setup to start off with, we're able to fine tune it. Um, but most importantly, the car's reliable. You know, we're not worrying about you know, loose uh, nuts and bolts or, you know, a car that's going to DNF. Um, and then, yeah, just all the partners that are on board with, uh, you know, Sophie, Technica Mining, Anmar, just uh, everyone. Love it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Paulo, uh, Paulo gave you a big shout out uh, uh, in his uh, in his pod uh, interview with us. Uh, he was he was all fired up, but he's like, yeah, he's like, hopefully we don't jinx it, but uh, but Zach know, looks like he's going to win a championship. <laughs> I had to talk to him after that pod. I'm like, dude, I really hope you didn't jinx it. But, you know, even uh, even even him, he's been, uh, you know, a huge influence in my life. You know, we met at a really young age and we, you know, we as like, I think our age difference is five years. But, you know, we're it's it's like, a, you know, like a big brother, little brother relationship. You know, we're training at cool. the gym. Um, it honestly, it's just cool to see two different sports come together in terms mm-hmm. of training. he's obviously killing it in football and doing well, but it's, it's cool how we're able to, to still train together and, you know, bring the most out of each other, uh, you know, to prepare for our sports, which is really cool. So, yeah, that is so sick. Yeah. Tom, I just had a side question, Jim, before I know you have the next one, but what type of stuff are you doing at the gym? You mentioned training a couple of times, yeah. like what does the workouts look like for you? Uh, you know, one of the biggest thing is the uh, simulator training. Like, so okay. I have 
own uh, simulator at home that I'm able to, uh, you know, download the cars and tracks that I'm going to. Oh my god, yeah. that's wild, yeah. Jim. We would have a field day, buddy. <laughs> oh my god, we'd be, we'd be crashing every two seconds. Yeah. Have a nice little hey? shootout on it. That'd be cool. A hundred percent. Yeah. We're down. giving Chim the Prius. Chim, you're taking the Prius. <laughs> no, I'll take the Grand Caravan with the six kids in the back. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's just putting lots of hours on there to try and get familiar with the tracks, and then uh, you know, in terms of the physical stuff, it's you know a, a huge uh, cardio, stamina, core, upper body game. Um, you know, I I still like to maximize you know the most out of out of my lower body, but you know the the big focus is your core uh, and your upper body. It's, uh, you know, 40 minutes doesn't seem like a long time, but, um, you know, when you're racing in 110 degree uh, Celsius, what Celsius weather in Texas, you know, that's outside in the car. I got out of the race uh, in Texas after 40 minutes and they put the uh, temperature gauge on my feet and my feet had reached 64 degrees Fahrenheit. That's insane. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really hot and you just got to make sure that you can last 40 minutes without you know, being fatigued because, you know, people don't understand it. It's, it's physically demanding, but it's even more mentally demanding than it is physically. So you got to make sure that you're, that you're training both and you're able to maximize it. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and you can see the drain off, off uh, guys and girls when they get out of the, out of the car after a race, like it is a, a total body um, workout. And, you know, we notice a lot of like neck strength too, which is kind of yeah. unique um in in racing compared to other sports is that something you do as well yeah i think it's you know we're not we're not pulling the amount of g's uh that they do in mm -hmm. formula one um you know but for sure when we're when we're reaching uh or we're approaching high speed circuits that have a lot of high g corners then for sure it's something something you prepare for um mm -hmm. i wouldn't say it's you know a top priority but it's definitely something that you that you that you work out to make sure that it is a tool that you have when you need it wicked okay cool cool um and moving on down down your career to to F sixteen hundred, I guess what was that transition like for you? Obviously, getting to that next level, and what was that whole experience like for you? Yeah, it was definitely a huge jump in my career. Uh, my first appearance in a car, um, a car that's you know really loose. It doesn't have any any arrow or downforce, so it's strictly all mechanical grip, um, which was which is you know really credited to my career I, I learned a lot of valuable car control skills there and things that i was able to that i'm i've been able to carry on throughout my ranks in touring and sports car racing so um, it was a huge you know opportunity for me to get introduced into the car racing world which you know later led me to uh, p2 in the championship and an opportunity to join team canada uh, to go across the pond to brands hatch for the formula ford festival so yeah it just spiked some really good opportunities and um, you know, later led to an opportunity with FAF Motorsports in 2020. It just, you know, really helped put me on the map and, uh, you know, gain that attraction from from other critical, uh, you know, teams, partners, um, and just, you know, guys who guys and girls who who hold really big roles within the sport. Sick. Wow. I'm happy I got my nap in today, Chem. I'm learning lots here, buddy. Oh, 100%. My, my, oh, my yeah. brain is just, <laughs> I'm blown away. I, the next yeah. one I got for you, um, Obviously, you proved that the driver means hell of a lot this year as the Porsches all came out on the, like the same production line, obviously dominating. How has this car compared to like anything you've driven in the past? Yeah, for sure. I would say this was probably like the 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 biggest beast of a car that I've driven. Just, you know, a, a lot faster, a lot more. Down it, has the, it has the gas. Hey, it has the D. It yeah, just yeah, goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, and, that, and I think that's what really made this series challenging this year was that 
you had, you know, 40 something cars that were all the same. So it, it didn't come down to who had the better car. It, it came, it ultimately came down to driving. So it just made so, myself yeah. and the team work a lot harder to make sure that, right. you know, we were preparing as best as we could. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's the, the challenge with, um, you know, non-single make series is you have BOP. So it's balance of operational performance and it kind of swings each race. You know, if one manufacturer is doing better than the other, then they'll, you know, add some weight or they'll raise the ride heights or, you know, restrict some, some, some power for them to kind of bring the other manufacturers into play. Okay. Which was something I experienced in 2022 last year in the McLaren, you know, that was based on BOP. Um, and quite frankly, because I was the only McLaren, I was influencing my own POP, um, you know, so on right, weekend, right. Gotcha. we would, you know, they would add weight and raise the, uh, raise the ride height. And then, but yeah, you know, this, the, this year, you know, it's cool to know that you're all showing up in the same equipment. Um, you know, there, of course, mm-hmm. in North, there's lots of conversations that, you know, one team might be doing things that are questionable and, and, and whatnot. So it, it was, you know, it's kind of nice to not have that conversation or, you know, you know, not have that idea going around the paddock and you know that you're able to just focus on driving and try to be the best you can yeah no doubt let the driving do the talking absolutely exactly there you go yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely how how long does it take to get comfortable with a car like i'm i'm just thinking you know my my nissan rogue that i drive i'm sometimes changing the seat every day like how long does it take for (laughs) for a driver to get comfortable with the car yeah i mean it's uh Typically it's a long, it's a, you know, a long process, but you know, they say the great ones are able to pick up on it quick. Um, right. um, so I think, you know, I, you know, typically normally it depends where you go, but you know, quite often the, the conversation of topic is, you know, you do a two year program, you know, the first year you kind of get a feel for the car, the series, your competitors, um, and just kind of build up your abilities with the car. And then the next year you come back and you, you, you know, you fight for the title. Um, okay. But it's funny you bring up the seat adjustment thing because there were so many times this year where my mechanics, you know, because I'm so tall, my mechanics would adjust my seat. So then I would I would go to get in the car right as I'm oh shit, and like my seat is moved, my steering wheel is moved. So now you're trying to like move all that and get it back to where it is. Um. So yeah, it's definitely it's yeah it's uh it's a challenging aspect for sure. Uh, well, yeah, no how, how tall are you? Chimino says he's the same height as me every time we talk about it. Even, <laughs> even though I think I got him like by a foot, it feels like. But how, how tall are you? Uh, I'm just under six three. Yeah, okay, just, there you go. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Quite quite you... tall for a for a for a race car driver. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, fortunately for me, the uh, the sports cars fit it well. So there, there you go. go. Love it. So, what does a race day look like for you? And do you have? you know, the same sort of routine that you go through? Do you have like a 7.15 a.m. alarm that you're just like, okay, it's race day? Like run us through what it looks like for you. Uh, it, I mean, it all depends on the schedule. Like it depends when we're when we're racing in the day. Um, you know, when we're when we're racing um, as a as a support series for bigger series, you know, we're we're typically earlier on in the morning for a practice and then later on in the evening for a race but on weekends when you know when we're the main series they're racing the schedule is kind of formed around us um but yeah it's typically an early wake up you know like to get refreshed have a shower just kind of get in the zone and it's um you know a nice light breakfast i typically like to plan for my days like 24 hour in advance so i'll do a lot of like a lot of the meal prep and whatnot um you know for the following day the day before so i can get all that in so i'm you know feeling good um, and then, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of staying in the zone, not getting distracted from anything outside of, you know, the team, uh, you know, meeting with my engineers, my mechanics, the the team manager, 
um, upon arrival at the track and just kind of going through what what the expected execution is, uh, if you will, throughout the day. So, I, I mean, it's kind of dependent, you know, from a from a practice day to a to a qualifying and a race day. Um, but I mean, ultimately, the goal is the same. You know, you're trying to, you know, you spend your practice days developing the car as much as you can to a to a setup that's reliable and consistent throughout 40 minutes. Um, you're, you're trying to do all the work in practice to, you know, make your life easier um, in the race day. But yeah, it's just staying focused, listening to music, um, you know, yeah, just, you know, staying within my circle, not, you know, wandering around the track to, to spectate. I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, you want to go and watch and support other people who are racing and whatnot. But I, you know, I think everybody understands that you're, you know, that you're there to do your thing and everyone just kind of respects that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you mentioned tunes. Is there, you know, set playlist? Is there one tune you have to listen to before, uh, before any race? Um, you know, I, I find myself always going back to, uh, everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great tune. Yeah. I, it's not, uh, it's probably not one that most would say, but yeah, for sure. I don't know. There's something about that one. I play that one. Um, I like Rick Ross. Um, you know, I grew yep. up around my brothers listening to him. So that kind <laughs> of uh, reflected down on me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do have a custom playlist, you know, just for my racing stuff. It's, you know, it's all more like, you know, like high beat tunes. I, you know, just stuff that really gets me pumped up and, you know, focused and ready to go. It's, you kind of, you kind of black out in a sense that you're just yeah. so focused on, there's just so much to, to be focused on throughout the race that you kind of block everything out and you're just, yeah, in the zone. For sure. No doubt. And I guess how much are you paying attention to? Cause you mentioned obviously prepping your meals and, yeah. and water, like how, how much is that dialed in? Obviously, you know, it would suck to ever have to go while you're you're yeah. you're racing, but yeah, has that ever happened to you, or um, how how dialed in is that aspect? No, there's there's it hasn't happened to me where I've had to go during the race. There definitely has been some close calls, but I've, I I I always find it builds up right before I'm about to roll out on track, and then once you get on track, all the adrenaline and the nerves and whatnot just kind of like kills it. Yeah. And then even after the race, like once the race is done, you would think that you instantly have to go, but you don't have to. It's kind of it's kind of strange. Okay. Um, but the uh the dieting and the nutrition's definitely come a long way it's definitely uh you've been a huge focus of mine especially this year um you know with supplements and whatnot and you know being a porsche junior driver we've had the support from first forum um you know so it's been great to be you know dialed in with their supplements and even to have the guidance from porsche uh in terms of you know like meal recommendations and whatnot and uh you know luckily my my engineer this year was Owen Hayes and it's you know a name that when you say in the paddock a lot of people know and recognize and he was really good on you know making sure I was eating the right things making sure I was preparing in advance and not something that he needs to do um you know but something that he that we just connected on and that you know he just wanted to ensure that I was on my A game so you know I I have you know things that I, I think on like leading up to the event you know I like to of course you know carb up and whatnot um, but then, you know, when it comes to the actual event itself, I like to, you know, eat light foods, things that, you know, don't make me feel bloated and whatnot, just to mm. kind of stay feeling good and sharp. Love it. Cool. That's so cool. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, qualifying. You grabbed pole four times um, this year, and obviously you proved that you don't need pole to win. But how much added pressure is it on you once you do grab pole to to win? Yeah, I think that definitely adds a lot of pressure, um, just being that you're 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 in the favored starting position for sure. Um, and then to try and um, convert it to a win is, is tough, but uh, you know, some people rather lead uh, than follow and, you know, vice versa. Um, 
typically, you know, this this season we found you know, that we were that we were leading and we were able to, you know, build the gap right out of the get go and then kind of manage it. Um, you know, I think. I think just, you know, qualifying pole, it just it just helps, you, you know, it sets you, you know, depending, uh, you know, on the track, it sets you up really well for turn one um, and then so forth. But I, I don't think it quite frankly, I don't think it's the most crucial thing just because of how long the race are. You know, it's 40 minutes. So, so much can happen um, that I think, you know, as much as it, and, you know, that was a big focus for us this year was pole just because you got, you actually got a point for qualifying on pole. Got it. Um, so, you know, qualifying on pole gave us those points. That was one of our biggest focuses. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it was just, you know, focusing on the race and how you, how you can convert it, how you, how you can build the gap and then manage it from there, manage your tires, manage your equipment and, you know, kind of let everybody behind you, you know, wear down their equipment trying to trying to chase you if you will yep so how much do you study the track like before a race kind of run us through how that kind of goes yeah so um aside from the simulator stuff like um every week before the race um the team sends out pre-event notes Okay. Um, so the notes on the track in terms of, you know, what uh, past trends have been, uh, what might to expect, you know, with with bumps, uh, apexes, kind of how the track evolution changes over 40 minutes, um, as well as, you know, our driver coaches on the team that they've, of course, raced there in the past. So they kind of relay their input and their data from what they found at the track. And then the week kicks off at the track with the track walk. So you're kind of like, so you're able to walk the track with the team and then kind of put those notes together with what you've just seen um and then from there you kind of develop a like an execution plan um, with the team as to you know what setup characteristics you might want uh, what tire pressure you might want to start with you know how how you know let's say the uh the track is slick at the beginning but as you know the the tire grip gets laid down and how that might change with the heat and whatnot so there's a lot of variables and, you know, as much as that's driver input based, a lot of it relies on the engineer as well, because ultimately, you know, you're, I'm working with my engineer to try and, you know, decide on the best changes possible, whether, you know, we're adjusting front or rear ride height, playing with um, caster, camber, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, front and rear bars, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a big game, you know, wing, wing adjustments based on wind and, you know, uh, how, how long the straightaways are, you know, if you prefer top speed over corner speed and so forth yeah it's uh it's a pretty challenging game for sure no there is so much that go goes into it it's yeah that's it's, okay wait it's i want amazing. you to re-say that i'm gonna go i'm gonna get a pen and paper up no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's can listen awesome, to record it, yeah yeah no that's it's it's so cool um it's uh, it's that's legit stuff that is uh you know, obviously, it's so important, and it's wicked. And I guess kind of. Jim, I know um, I wanted to, I wanted to interrupt yeah. you, Jim, just quickly. Zach, I want to tell you a little story. Yeah. Jim, Jim actually has never driven on the 400 series in Toronto. So, you know, every hockey tournament we go to, coaching together, this guy physically can't drive past 100 kilometers an hour. Not sure if you can give him uh, any pointers on that. I've driven on 400 series. <laughs> Look at it. I knew I had to get I've Zach. I've driven on the 400 series. But... Sorry, yeah, Jim, I had yeah. to throw you under the bus there, buddy. All our buddies are going to love love that one. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit of a slower yeah. driver. That's okay. It's okay, hey, Jim. You know hey, I'm cautious. It's, you know what? It's funny because that's probably the biggest stereotype that I've built is that people assume because I'm You just go fast driver, all the time. I'm like a maniac on the road, but quite frankly, I'm the opposite. Like, I have to okay. – like, I obey all the laws. It's like, I'm like probably one, most, probably one of the most cautious street drivers you'll you'll ever witness. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to dodge oh, all the potholes so we have on, <laughs> on the roads here. Yeah, so. that, yeah. yeah, yeah, here's insane. Yeah, no doubt. Potholes no and doubt. Uh, construction these days. Oh, yeah, nonstop, nonstop here for sure. Um, if you had to de- describe your driving style, you know, obviously Verstappen is someone who's very aggressive and you got Ricardo, the master of the, the late, late break. Um, what, how would you describe, I guess, if someone was to come and watch you drive, what, what it looks like on the track? I I think if I were describe it in one word, I'd say patient. Um, I think, that's, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing to racing is just being patient and not trying to, to force something that isn't there. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, whether you're leading or whether you're trying to pass someone, I think, you know, there's, there's times where you have to be aggressive and as a driver, you know that. Um, but I think, yeah, for the most part, it's, it's calm and patient, I would say smooth. Like, so the, the term that's quite frequently used is smooth as fast. Um, so I think, I think kind of like once you, once you can nail that, that's like a huge key for success in racing. Um, Yeah, no doubt. Tom. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I know. Just like, yeah, I was just going to add to that. Sometimes, you know, when you, you know, pushing harder actually slows you down because you're really trying to emphasize things that, you know, if you were to just step back, stay relaxed, stay calm and just let your, your talent and your abilities, you know, do what they're capable of doing. Then you just, yeah, you go faster and faster. Got it. Yeah. Hey, Tom, we say it all the time with the golf swing. Tempo equals speed, bud. Tempo <laughs> equals speed. Same always. in all sports, but it's the same. Always, yeah. always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess now moving on, Zach, like what's the, the end goal for you? Like, obviously, you know, the way we look at it from an outsider's perspective, there's F1, NASCAR, India's type of, you know, the big three. Is that something, you know, obviously you're looking towards, I guess, what's the end goal uh, looking like for you? Yeah, for, for me, the end goal would be the uh, IMSA uh, sports, uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Um, that's like Formula One of sports car racing in North America. It's a really, you know, big recognized series. Um, you know, of course, growing up, you always say Formula One, IndyCar is the dream. Um, but motorsports as a as a sport, it's really turned direction and it's become a a very um, you know, uh, financial influenced sport. Hundred percent. Um, which you know makes it makes it difficult to 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 reach certain series. I think you know I think right now the rumor to make it to Formula One is like eighteen million or something like that. That's crazy. Um, um, so yeah, I think for me, and that's you know that's a reason why we we switched to sports cars. You know, there's just a lot more opportunity. There's a lot more seats available, um, and there's you know your your chance of making a career is is you know highly uh, likely. Um, you know, if you if you do everything right and you you know do everything like you're supposed to, you market yourself well. Um, of course, you know you drive good. Um, yeah, I think it's just about being the full package, honestly, and that's you know what is leading me to, you know, want to aspire to be a part of the uh, WeatherTech paddock. Um, and of course, now being a part of the Porsche Junior Program, there's, you know, a ladder to get there. So um, as well with my team, uh, MDK Motorsports, they're based out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. And internally, they have a good ladder system to go through each series and kind of stay in-house. Um, so that was like a huge, you know, motivation thing for us to to join the team when we were talking to them last year was that you can, you know, kind of come in and start in the sprint challenge, um, but then end up in the WeatherTech championship in the Porsche GT3R. So um, Got it. Yeah, that's, that's that's for sure the aspiration. The goal is to to end up in IMSA. Uh, the team I ran with uh, for three years, FAP Motorsports, they have a, a very strong presence in the WeatherTech series as well. 
Um, so there was lots of, you know, leadership and guidance from them on, you know, how to develop to be a driver that that can see himself in that paddock. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have a really good support system and I think it's, you know, definitely capable. There's still, you know, no doubt, lots of work ahead, but it's, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely where I'd like to see myself for sure. Very, very cool. So cool. And yeah, there's obviously, and, and you've showed uh, today, there's, there's so many different avenues to, to take here, which is, uh, which is really cool. No doubt. Um, One general question before we get to the fast five, I guess, what's your overall take on F1 uh, season this year? Obviously kind of Red Bull ran away with it, uh, with Verstappen, kind of a boring year. I'm, I'm a Ferrari fan. So we've been okay. in shambles. Uh, we've been in shambles for, for a long time, but yeah, I guess your overall take on, on F1 this year. Yeah, I think we're seeing definitely seeing a new generation, of course, with the new car. Um, and then, you know, we've witnessed Mercedes be so dominant since 2012 or 2013, I yeah. believe. Um, so I think, you know, now we're, we're seeing a new era of Mercedes and that would be Red Bull. And I, you know, I, I credit what Red Bull and Max are doing just because I, I understand what it takes to do that. And, you mm-hmm. know, I know uh, there's a lot of opinion on on the whole Red Bull situation right now. Um, but yeah, I think, you know what, you know, there's no doubt Max is a talented driver and, you know, for, for how young he is, he's got an, a huge resume and he's just, yeah, he's, he's absolutely killing it quite, quite, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, some people might not like the entertainment side of it just because of how dominant they are. Um, but I think now that we're seeing, you know, teams like Mer- McLaren and Aston Martin, even Mercedes, you know, they're uh, Ferrari, you know, they're rolling out these upgrades and, McLaren's been, you know, a top three contender for the last three or four races now. So I think it's definitely starting to get exciting. And I, I, I see that turning into um, next season as well. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, Okay, Zach, before we let you go, we're going to go to our fast five here. So it's five rapid fire questions, whatever comes to the top of your head, let it rip. And uh, I will send it off to Tom here. Okay. Your dream travel destination anywhere in the world, where do you want to travel to? That's tough. Dream destination. I'm going to go with a racing one. I'm going to say Lamar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it. Uh, second one. Rather than racing, yeah. what would you be professional in any other sport? What would I aspire to be or what would I want to be? Uh, you know what? That's... What what would you want to be? Yeah, if it yeah. had to be another sport, yeah. Um, honestly, I'd I'd probably say golf. I'd probably say golf. Ooh, I love it. I I uh, I grew up golfing. Um, I used to golf a lot actually before the the racing thing kicked off. Okay. I mean, it was something I really like. Something I I still try and get out to do now that uh, Paulo's getting into it. We've been uh, hitting the course a few times. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably say golf. Okay. There you so, go. Maybe a future bench brawl. Uh, there you go. There, yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um favorite driver you have a favorite driver uh like formula one or just general racing you want to go formula one you want to go general or yeah maybe one from each yeah 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 Yeah. formula one um well i mean i'm i'm uh i'm biased to kevin magnuson um he's uh he's a brand ambassador for mdk motorsports the team i run for yeah, he's been uh, influential um, on our team for sure. So uh, yeah, for sure, I would say Kevin Magnuson um, as a secondary. I'd probably have to go Lando Norris. There you go. Okay, Lando, sweet name. I like that name. Yeah. Um, favorite car. The I'm gonna have to go. Um, I mean, if, aside from the Porsche GT3 or GT2 RS, I would go uh, Nissan uh, R35. 
Nice. Okay, and you knew this one was coming. Your favorite subby restaurant to wrap it up. I gotta plug Don's Pizza, of course. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It's a layup there. Great spot. We you love, have to get that on Don. the side of the car. Yeah, yeah. No, they've been uh, they've been a huge influence on my uh, on my career, of course. You know, the entire Grassi family. It's yeah. That's honestly probably the coolest thing about it. It's not just you know a a driver partner thing. You know, it's a it's a it's a family thing. You know, Mario's yeah got a huge influence on me. He's like a dad to me and. Um, you know, my dad's been a single parent since since I started racing go karts when I was eight. So you know, Anna's been um, you know the the girl in my life that I've you know looked to and considered my mom. So um, you know that you know, and then of course Paulo, Mateus, Luca, just that entire family. Like you know, I just you know we all consider each other family, and it's yeah, it's uh, so now yeah to have uh, have Don's Pizza in here. That's that's pretty cool. And you know, I I did notice they're opening a second location. I think eh? they are. They are. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, it's here. Eh? We love you, Don's. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like yeah. uh, it is in the works here. Yeah, we uh, won't disclose the location, but yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I love. I'm on a I'm on a co-op right now for my program at Paladino Honda. Okay. Okay. Um, so I had to. I'm I'm in the service area as a as a service advisor working with the service team there, and I had to had to give a hand shuttling a driver home yesterday, and I uh, I noticed the new spot. So that's uh that's there you exciting. go. That's exciting. Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Well, uh, listen, Zach, thanks a lot um, for coming on here and chomping it up with the boys. We'll obviously keep in touch here and and uh, and uh, follow you along the way or cheer you on. And best of luck. It seems like uh, nothing but uh, great things. So we're excited to see uh, where you take this thing. And BTB will be uh, will be by your side cheering you on. So uh, best of luck, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, it's uh it's a it's an honor to to have my first podcast with, you know, uh, a local podcast crew. So yeah, thanks guys for having me on. It's awesome. That was the interview with Zach Vanny, ladies and gentlemen. Tom golf season is coming to an end. Yeah, buddy. One last time to thank, you know, pin, groove it, eye range. Groove it some. We still got a bunch. If people would want some, it's a great stocking stuff for Great early Christmas gift if you're looking to Christmas shop already. Pins, also fantastic gift um, as well. And, you know, we have our promo code uh, for pinned always. Um, and Groovit, you come see us and we'll have them for you. Tom, I range, you got to take um, our content to the next level. Most of the stuff we film with is on the I range, so want to take uh, the time to thank Gene from iRange Sports. Mm -hmm. Absolute gem. So thank you very much uh, to him. Okay, folks, let's send it off now to our four-pack with reoccurring guest Mikey Camito. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joining. We just talked about this uh, off-air with the boys. Um, I think this is our most reoccurring guest of all time now, uh, Mr. Mike Camito has joined the podcast once again after releasing his newest book, Leafs 365, which is absolutely electric. And we're going to get into a four pack with them as well. But Mike, how are we doing? Doing great. It's great to be back. Taking that uh, number one guest title. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So, Mike, obviously take us through uh, how's the reception been around the book? And I guess take us uh, through how, how, how it was making making at least three six five well it's uh 
as you guys know, I love hockey history, uh, but I'm also a huge Leafs fan. So for me to be able to take, you know, the concept that I've been doing for the previous books and apply that to my favorite team was a big treat for me. Um, a lot of these moments, you know, I lived and got to relive, but a lot of these moments were from, you know, across eras that, you know, were before I was born or before I became a fan. And so that was also fun to kind of brush up on my history with the team. I mean, the book's been out now officially in Canada for uh, just over a week. And I think the reception has been great so far uh, from, from a lot of Leaf fans. I think for people that are looking to cross those Leaf fans off their Christmas shopping list, it's uh, it's definitely ticking some boxes. We did a, a, a signing at Chapters Sudbury this past weekend, and we sold out of all their stock. So it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. But right now, you can't find the book in town because uh, they're all gone, except unless you come to my house, and I've got copies for you. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Maybe we'll take a couple and, uh, and sell on the side for you too, Mikey. <laughs> I love it. Tom? Yeah, I wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on the Leafs season so far? Obviously, the first game of the year, these two – you know, Mason are diehard uh, Habs fans, so it was good to see the Leafs come back and and win Game One, the home opener. So, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the Leafs so far? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, it's funny because I've done done a couple podcasts already to try to promote the book, and I got asked this question. I think after uh, the second or third game, and at that time, you already started to see the questions right. like, where where does Max Domi fit? Does Max Domi fit? You know, like what's up with Samsonov? Uh, what's up with? Uh, you know, Klingberg, like, you know, and I, I think I'm probably what I'd like to believe is more of a cautiously optimistic fan, but I don't go off the deep end too quickly. And so when I was first answered that question, I said, just give it time. Like there was a lot of turnover in the season. These guys are just trying to figure out where they all fit. A lot of them didn't play in a ton of preseason games either. And then, you know, a couple of games later, all of a sudden like Domi and Nais are clicking Suddenly he looks like that's where he fits. Um, obviously, I think you got to see where like Mitten's probably going to get set back down and then that's going to kind of rejig right. the lines as well. But I mean, so far, I think if I were to pick out like what's exciting me about the team is just like the brick wall and net. Um, you know, he I think even when you go back to that early Chicago game where the team it was another like typical sloppy game in front of their goaltender, but he was like the bright spot throughout most of that game. And again, obviously he let in a few goals, but they were like, he really had no chance because they came in all alone on him. So from that game, you kind of started to think like, maybe is he going to take the crease? Uh, I think he's now running with it. And so I think it's his for as long as he's got the hot hand. And then we'll see if maybe we can get a good old goalie battle going, but so far, like that would be great to see somebody like that, like a homegrown, like, you know, goalie kind of come up through the ranks and really become what the team needs in the back end uh so cautiously optimistic but he just seems so calm and composed like that's that's what this Leafs team needs is a goalie like that uh between the pipes I agree I agree where were you last year when the Leafs won uh, that first round after you know 20 years or so whatever it was I I was in my basement alone um my all my family had gone to bed and like I had like this little like little clap to myself because I didn't want to wake anybody up. And then I was scheduled to go to Montreal the next morning for a work trip. So I knew I had to get up early uh, to catch a flight. But my buddy who lives down the street from me, he's like, we got to go outside and like have a beer on the road. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, we actually do. Like, I can't not, I can't go to bed now. I have to, right. have to go have this beer. So we go outside, it's raining. And then like the first thing that happens is we hug under the streetlights because like after 20 years of frustration, oh, you, man. Hug, you hug your buddy, even if your buddy's not a hugger, like that's the, rare, <laughs> that's the rare hug you get. And so we, we had that hug under the, the, the rain and the glow of the lights and then had a toast to the Leafs. No kidding. The best that was awesome. We were at, um, I think one of our friends was going away for school or work or whatever. So I was at the Buddha with a bunch of us and 
I think I pissed off a bunch of people. There's a bunch of people on like first dates. I don't even know, but I was going nuts. I, I was go- at the end of the time, at the end of the night, I was going around just saying like, this is our Stanley cup. I'm sorry. Like this, is, <laughs> this is the best. I have never seen, I'm only 23. I've never seen it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, that, that was a, it was a great, great feeling. Yeah. The funny thing is like, I always I end up watching games a lot of times alone, just because like, you never know how it's going to go. And I don't like being oh, out I know. With, like when they lose. So like, I'm like game seven, like <laughs> I have a bunch of buddies who are Leaf fans. Like no one wants to watch the game with each other because like, if it goes the other way, like you just want to be alone with your thoughts. Like you don't want to be at somebody else's house or at a bar so thankfully that you know that didn't happen this year but there's been a lot of times when you're out in public and you're just like oh my god so oh, yeah. want to crawl into a hole oh, yeah. yeah watching games with chim though mikey is another thing though like he he loves coming to my base when my brother and my dad were just all in like the game uh when they came back against tampa this past week my dad was ready to fire sheldon keith one after the second <laughs> And then yeah. as soon as they it's come back, you, you, you mentioned Nyes and Domi heating up. Like, he loved them. He's like, as if you put the lines in a blender and it all worked out. I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's sign this guy for another 10 years. So yeah. it's just funny how Leafs fans work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. like, even four games in, it's just like, fire everybody. Why do they sign these guys? But, yeah, <laughs> I always preach patience, you know, especially during a long regular season. Playoffs is a different story. Like, you're going to get all over the team after game one or after the first period. But during the regular season, I'm willing to kind of give them a little bit of a longer leash. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe we'll we'll have to see Mike front row at uh, at Don's uh, oh, I need some, party. Yeah. Tom, that would be need some an all time front row. <laughs> I did, I did, I did see those those videos you guys post. I'm like, that looks like a lot of fun, but like, I just can't, I can't oh. do that. <laughs> I think we're undefeated at Don's. Uh, actually, no, I think. I no? think we lost the game. Sorry, I left that there year pretty though. Sorry, off. last year, last that year, year we that year we last were last year. Last year we were undefeated. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. okay. Um. So moving on, uh, to more of the book. Uh, Mike, obviously, I'm sure you had to talk to a lot of people while you were researching. Who was the coolest maybe Leaf or Leaf alumni that you got to talk to? So I didn't actually, for this book, I didn't talk to a lot of people directly, but I was able to pull from stories that I've written in the past and like incorporated cool. those. Like the one that I think of that I think of the most when, you know, Leafs that I've talked to over the years, I talked to Dave Keon uh, two summers ago. And, uh, you know, he's just like a salt of the earth, like great guy, like obviously Leafs legend. But the thing I remember about him and it was it was funny because I was at the Montreal draft and that would have been 2022. My father and I are, are sitting in the bar like below the Bell Center because we didn't have tickets for like the first round that night. And he's like, he turns to me. He's like, did you know that Dave Keon was a Sudbury Wolf? And I said, uh, no, that can't be right. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, he was a Sudbury Wolf. I'm like, I've never heard this before. And then sure enough, like he played, uh, he played a handful of games for the Wolves, you know, back in the, you know, in the early sixties when they were part of the Eastern professional hockey league. So the story was that he got called up by the Leafs from, uh, from the St. Mike's majors. And by the time he got, he got on a train from, from Quebec to get to Toronto, uh, the Leafs had already been eliminated. And so rather than send him back home, they sent him to Sudbury to start playing games in the final for the championship that year. They ended up losing in the final, but like that for him was like his first experience playing against like grown men. And uh, and then the next year he made the Leafs, but then he ended up coming back to Sudbury as part of the exhibition games that the Leafs used to play against NHL teams. Uh, but talking to him was just like a treat because like he obviously a beloved player accomplished so much in his career 
Um, and, and then the thing for me that really kind of makes it stick out is that like, I called him, I was in the middle of like tearing apart my deck with my dad. And he's like, you got to go on a run for like, we need more supplies from home Depot. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got to call Dave Keon though. So I called Davey Keon from like my van inside the home Depot parking lot. And I told him I was building a deck. And by the time the conversation's over, he's like, so like, how's your deck going? And uh, so I told him like the project and I just thought it was awesome that a guy like that, who obviously has, you know, better people to talk to than me still asked, like, how's your deck project coming along? But I think that's the kind of guy he was, you know, he was a gentleman on and off the ice. And I think even all these years later, as a, you know, as a man in the, in the twilight of his life, like he still hasn't lost that. uh, I think that gentlemanly spirit. So I thought that was just a real treat for me. Um, So I I used that Subbery Wolf story in the book about how he played for the Wolves, but then eventually made his way to Toronto and never looked back. That's sick. That's awesome. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see the stories uh, you, you have in there because you did, you did great in, in, uh, in, in the first few books. Which, which, uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I love reading about hockey history. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to see what you got. Um, for that, uh, for sure. Anybody got to any questions uh, before we move? Yeah, Mace. A uh, couple questions here for you, Mike. Uh, first, just need to get it off. Any mention of my uncle Larry Hillman in the book? Hillman Hex. Yeah, no, I know. I think I don't have like a specific Hillman story. I know that his name is in the book. Love I'm it. almost, yeah. So like, I think in, in passing mention, I think that's the, the one thing is after writing the book, like people start asking you like, is this person in there? And like, there's players in there where you're like, I don't know if I found a specific story. And so like, there's definitely ones where I'm like, oh man, like I should have definitely had a story about that player. But like when you're trying to juggle like so many different dates and you've got competing stories that sometimes you might have had something in the, you know, in the hopper, but you had to like sub it out for something else. So there, there definitely could be more volumes of this book. Uh, we'll see because there's a lot of guys that I, uh, I, I want to tell more stories about too. Well, with all the Clarkson and Phil Kessel stories you probably have in there, it obviously blocked <laughs> them out. Uh, <laughs> ten years, almost ten years to the date, I guess. Uh, ten years in a month to the Clarkson and Kessel incident. Did that yeah. make mm-hmm. it in the book? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I mean, I've got, uh, there's a few Clarkson stories in the book. Uh, I had one, like when they signed him, I remember that moment because like I was on a bus going to Ottawa meeting, meeting my girlfriend there. She was already there. And, uh, my, I was just constantly refreshing my phone, just being like, please don't sign Clarkson, please don't sign Clarkson. And then of course they signed Clarkson. And then after like seeing all the, like all the transactions, Oh man, I remember that. that. Like yeah. I, my phone ran out of battery and I got to the bus station auto and like, I couldn't call them to let them know I was there. So I was like running around trying to find an outlet outside so I can plug in my phone. But uh, yeah, the, that Clarkson moments in there, obviously the preseason, you know, incident between, uh, between Kessel and uh, John Scott where oh, Clarkson yeah. jumps in and then he gets the automatic 10 game, which basically kicks <laughs> off his start with the Leafs. I think, you know, as much as I didn't like that Clarkson signing, I think him losing those first 10 games, obviously, I don't think he was worth the money in the term they signed him for, but you start the season 10 in the hole, like that's not going to help you. You like kind of get integrated into the team. And then my favorite Clarkson story I've got in there though, is, uh, is like during that road to the winter classic, you know, when they were doing uh, the HBO series, yeah, kind of saw behind the scenes and there's that game against the Red Wings and like, uh, Clarkson took offense to like Tyler Bertuzzi or, uh, yeah, Todd Bertuzzi shooting a puck at Bernier's water bottle and they go on this exchange and Bertuzzi's finally like, that. what are you, the bottle police? And so uh, <laughs> just like these, I, I, I was able to include like some really quirky, funny moments that I think are funny. Hopefully other people do. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of moments like that. Uh, and yeah. And oh, then, I love that. 
I have one more. I saw, I believe it was on Twitter, maybe uh, Instagram. Some other Canadian team fans are asking for books. Will there be Habs history? Oilers no. History? <laughs> if, if the if Habs you... one would be way too long, they're just the most historic team in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. so. Too many, too many cups. But uh, I'll say this: like you guys will appreciate this. So if you have me back on at this time next year, we'll be talking about Habs three sixty five because that's in the works, almost done. Uh, so that'll be out October. Wow, uh, Mikey, let's go. Yeah, that's awesome. So, let's go, yeah. Mike. That's awesome. Do you sleep? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah i mean the 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 honestly like the nice thing about these books is that like they they are admittedly a shorter format so the stories aren't they're not huge and the book is not like one giant narrative so you are able to kind of like pick it up and put it down as far as like writing the project goes so like every night while i'm in the middle of book writing like i'm pretty much dedicated to like an hour or two of of researching and writing but uh, you know, it's something I like to do, and it's there's nothing better than honestly like having the game on the background on mute while you while you write, and then when you're done, turn the volume back on and hope for the best. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's just uh, love doing it. I'll keep doing it as long as I love it, and as long as they keep uh, wanting to do more of these books. No, they're awesome. It. They're the perfect length for our buddy Tom. Just oh, one man. page. I was gonna ask because there any audio books, but no, I'll I'll read this one. <laughs> I'll, I'll read this one. This this, this is a yeah, must. You can get Chimino to narrate your audio book if you want. No, I was trying to think of which yeah, voice I'd want, get... but Joe Joe Boy. Yeah. The one yeah. that I the one that I would want if uh like from a Leafs fan perspective would be Will Arnett. Ooh. Like some, oh, somebody like yeah. that. You know, obviously a big Leafs fan and has the voice for it. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think we've got the budget to get Will Arnett for these three six five. So <laughs> we could ask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those worth the shot. Yeah, put in I a good it. word. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we can move it on now, here, folks. We're gonna go to the four pack now. Um, so Mike has done our Corny's quiz. He's been a guest, interviewed. Now four pack, uh, which obviously is our draft uh, component of of the podcast here, and Mace. You want to let the people know what the topic uh, is here today. So I think it's only fitting we are going to take a trip down memory lane, I guess, or history lane. We have our historian on. We are going to debate and draft all-time Toronto Maple Leafs, a topic we surprisingly haven't done yet, um, but it is only fitting with Mikey here. So uh, I believe Tom, you won last. Uh, I think last the, week. Is a, oh, yeah, yeah. Two, I'm a double header, double. Oh, yeah, I don't want to say. I don't want to say someone I want to pick. It's a double. I don't want to say it, but he might be on my list. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I, I get to set the order because I mean I've been winning every week. It feels like I'm gonna give the bullet to our guest. He can take the number one overall Ooh, pick. All right. So I got asked, like, what is the? Are we like any four? Like, I obviously we're gonna draft one at a time, but like, are we doing? forwards d goalie like how are we doing this you want to go any um, yeah coach even too yeah most most... memorable yeah just across the board yeah your favorites yeah and and, okay and i know that with this i've got to appeal to the voters yes so like i can't do like a niche thing and say like this goalie from 1929 that nobody's ever heard of is maybe the best goalie but i'm not gonna get votes that way okay okay um may 2nd chim third i want the the four five Okay. okay, there we go. So snake well, drop style here, Mike fantasy okay. style. Yeah. So I mean, I, this is not going to be uh, a controversial pick by any means. Again, I think he's already the most talented Leaf in in franchise history. 
Um, certainly the most exciting in my lifetime. I'm going Austin Matthews. Yeah, good pick. Wow. Yeah. Jim, he's going to wow. be the greatest of all, like he, ever. Like he, he will he for the He probably Leafs. will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a great number one. All right. You took my guy, Mike. I mean, hey. <laughs> and I set the order. I could have had him, but you, you definitely could have. <laughs> I mean, I guess there we could dive into the history of the relationship between this player and the team, but I think it's been patched ever since Shanahan's come back. I'm going to take the greatest leap of all time, Dave Keon. That's there a good go. one, too. Yeah. That's a great one. Can't go. It means a lot coming from you, Mike. That's great. That's great. Uh, Chimino. Mm, okay. See, like I, I know Leafs. Like I just, I don't, I don't know what appeals to Leafs fans. But <laughs> this person was when I was growing up, like the ultimate captain, and uh, was one of uh, one of the best, Matt Sundin. Oh man, yeah. I set Matt's. the order, and you're getting all my picks. <laughs> yeah, Jim, great. I, that great. one year, I, I think the one year, the home opener when he got the puck in the eye, right? It was a stick in the eye. I mm-hmm. remember that. That eighteen that years like, as a Leaf, Jim. 18. Yeah. That slap shot on Kiprasov too. Never forget that one. That yeah, one's on electric. every hockey night in Canada. Yeah. Like yeah. electric <laughs> before every trick. game. Yeah. Oh man. Tom, back, back to back. Tom. I mean, we just um, we had him on last week, but a guy that he chose as his favorite leaf. You got to give me Johnny Bauer. Got yeah. it. If it wasn't Sunday, I was going Bauer. Yeah, so, you've yeah, got the you've got the net locked up. With that one, I would say. Yeah. I was going to go good. double double goalie because I loved Ooh. him growing up. But, um, I mean, man, a lot of good options. I wanted someone fresh and new. Give me Doug Gilmore. Got to give me a Doug Gilmore. Yeah, Dougie's solid. Dougie, yeah. My mom Great will appreciate song. that. That was her favorite, well, her favorite leaf. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, I'm gonna go uh Wendell Clark. Give me yeah. Wendell. Yeah. 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 Nails, Captain. We're checking yeah. a lot of boxes here. Yeah, we're yeah. doing good. There's no one I, I can didn't... roast yet. I'm waiting for Mason's <laughs> stupid pick or something. But <laughs> Mace does uh, with my second round pick, round. I'm gonna take Turtleneck Thomas Placanic. Oh. <laughs> 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 we're going to Boston, babe. That's yeah. hey, Mace. He scored that big goal for us in the playoffs, and that's what we got. Him. Empty netter, yeah. So I'm going to go with Another old guy, uh, one of the most memorable Canadians, Tim Horton. There we go. Yeah, solid. That's going to look great on a graphic. (laughs) Uh, Mikey, you get back to backs here. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to round out my blue line uh and I think this is arguably the in my in my books the best defenseman the Leafs have ever had although you know Horton's a close second as well but Salming I've got to go yeah. a warrior all the way till the end uh just an absolute beauty so I am going to take Salming with that pick and then um I get I'm just trying to think now of who else I can again I'm thinking about the voters I'm I I know there's I've got picks in my <laughs> mind but I'm thinking about how do I win this um, you know what? I think I'm going to just go with my heart and the votes, you know, they land where they land. But like, for me, as a kid growing up watching the Leafs in like the early to mid nineties, I got to go Padme. And then I've got at least a mm-hmm. forward a defenseman and a goalie. So I like that. that. Yeah. Felix the cat. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's a great pick. Wow. I can't believe he fell to me. Uh, I just need a double. Yeah. Daryl Sittler. 
at 12. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a deep draft. I think it's a deep draft, though. It's a great franchise, yeah. Mace. I mean, hey, there's a lot, <laughs> lot of options, man. Yeah. Um, Not this, ne- this next one, I just don't – I don't know if Tom will take him, but I am worried about the back-to-back. Uh, give me Ty Domi. Give me Ty Domi. Oh, wow. Great pick, yeah. Chen. Yeah. Ty Domi, I mean, on one of the best Jim. enforcers, uh, pumping that guy in the in in the penalty, in the penalty box bucks, all yeah, time, yeah. all time. So all you've time. got a you've got Clark and Domi on your team. Yeah, that's oh, a tough squad. It's a tough, that's a tough team squad for sure. <laughs> um, I watched this clip this this past week, and I can't get it out of my head. And he was um a staple for the Leafs in the mid 2000s. I mean, it was a very question mark uh, when they acquired this guy. It was a huge trade. He taped his stick as a candy cane. You got to get me Phil Kessel. I think he's up there. Everybody knows him as a Leaf more than anything, in my opinion. How's the breath, Bill? No, it's the uh, it's that not sca- good. Eh? It's, it's that good scale. One, it's the good one, Randy. Yeah. That's the one in yeah, my head always. Good one. <laughs> um, and I for to, I'm I'm back to back here, right? Yeah. Okay, to round it out, he's got the same name as me. Give me Thomas Caberly. Solid. Pick. Okay. Okay. Solid. Yeah. Not where I thought you you'd go, but no, okay. you don't think so. I I no, thought no. he was he uh, well. Another staple leaf though, Chim. Like for the back end, I, I could have went him up, or I could have went sure. growing up. It was yeah. him, yeah. Or Polak, yeah, yeah. Roman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Justin Hall, he's leading the league in plus minus with the oh, right wings this year. Yeah. Insane, insane. Yeah, yeah Bunting's got like too. eight points. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. field day. Um. Okay, well, we got goalies on the board. There's one more that I'm going to take. Give me Cujo. Yeah. I'll take uh, Curtis Joseph. So I'm I'm very happy with how that. many years did he that. actually play with Toronto? only a few, eh? Mikey would know more, but yeah, like just four or five. Years. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. like 2002, I think he came in, and then a few years, yeah, and then the lockout hit, right? So, mm-hmm. Jim, I don't know why I thought you were going Raycroft, but <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> well, one of the best draft picks, Tuka Rask. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, yeah, that one's a good one. You could do a whole draft on that too. Yeah. 100%. All right. Well, I'm just on that trade, yeah. Stick with the old school theme, I guess. And I will go with George Armstrong. Oh, that was going to be my that was going to be my last pick if I, if he's <laughs> if he's sticking around. Please and thank you. you Got to play to the local base, captain. Exactly. Last... The chief. Yeah, that's uh that's a solid pick. Okay, well, yeah, that was honestly that's who I was going to take thinking he'd be around. Um for my last pick, I was trying to think of how I can. So I've got a D, I've got a goalie, I've got a forward. Ooh. You know, I'm just I'm going for it because I I know I know what the I know what the voters are gonna see. So I'm put, I'm taking Marner with the last pick. Yeah. Okay. There's okay. a lot like I could have gone like Frank Mahovlich, Lanny McDonald, Rick Vibe. Yeah. Like these are all great. Uh, Randy Carlisle. <laughs> Randy Carlisle <laughs> on the back end, but uh, Gilney. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, he didn't Chuck, play that long like, with the Leafs. So. Aki oh. Berg, you remember Aki Berg, Mikey? Yes. Iceberg yes. back there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Eddie Shack. I had. I was gonna take. Oh Eddie yeah, Shack. The yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good options. Bill Barilko. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi. 
<laughs> actually, yeah, as if future Joe Morocco legend. didn't go. That's a shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all right. That's it's still a solid list here. Yeah. Oh, there's absolutely. tons, tons of tons. Uh, so many leads. Tucker. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Darcy. That's a mistake. That's a yeah. mess. What a legend. <laughs> wow, I'm upset with myself about that one. I totally forgot. Yeah. Uncle Leo, um, Leo Komarov was one of my favorites. Uh, Hal Gill. Hal Gill. Hal Gill was a staple yeah. too. Brian McCabe. This yeah. is like me when the book was over and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that guy, right? You're like, yeah. Ah. So. Before we, we, I want to ask Mike, who would you say your favorite coach of the Leafs has been over the years? Um, oof. It's a mean, hard question. My but... like my all, one of my all time favorite like figures in hockey was Pat Quinn. I yeah. Mean, yeah. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Quinn just because like he was just a such a again another salt of the earth like beloved guy just like toughest nails coach. I just I remember that time you know there was he got like a I think a stick in the face early in preseason then he took a puck to the face yeah. and so then he was behind the bench with like two shiners and he just looked he just looked <laughs> mean. nails so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and I just, I, I got the chance to do a little bit of a story on, on Pat Quinn, you know, after he passed and I got to talk to Brian Burke was actually the first like big name in hockey I ever interviewed. And like to hear like that guy, who's a, who's a, like a, a tough SOB as well. Just like gush about Pat Quinn, just like, you know, he just seemed like a great, great, great person. So I would go with Quinn. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the first one I could think of. What about you guys? I mean, I, I'm a little biased because I think Kiefer's done a really good job so far, but uh, most memorable ones for me growing up had to be, like, I, I liked Ron Wilson. I liked Randy was there, but I've heard a lot of a lot of question marks about Randy. But the team actually wasn't even supposed to be that good. And, you know, Lupo was an all-star one year when he was there. Like, I, I thought he, and just the whole Randy story is just, yeah. <laughs> what about Horacek? Oh, Peter Horacek, legend? Yeah, yeah he was... Yeah. Isn't he the only reason you guys got Matthews? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things why we got Matthews. I mean, we don't go back to those he, times, Mace. He, did, but... his, he yeah. did his part for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, let's round it out uh, here, folks. Mike went with Awesome Matthews, Boris Salming, Felix Potvin, and Mitch Marner. Mason went with Dave Keon, Tim Horton, Daryl Sittler, and George Armstrong. I went with Matt Sundin, Wendell Clark, Ty Domi, and Cujo, Curtis Joseph. Jim, Tommy went with great Johnny job, Bauer. buddy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Doug Gilmore, Phil Kessel, and Thomas Cabley. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the four-pack. And, Mikey, before we let you go, I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, obviously, the boys here, we talk about the Wolves quite a bit. Thoughts on their season so far, obviously getting uh, Dvorsky now. How do you think they're looking head into to the long stretch here this season? They're uh, they're looking great. Admittedly, I haven't been out to the barn yet this season. Just like the way the the my schedule shook out, that I just haven't had the chance to go there. I ended up going to uh, just had different things on the calendar. I had exhibit last week, so I missed uh, I missed some things there. But uh, no, I mean he like to get him to commit to come to the team like at this stage, like given all the other talent they have, is like it's they were already you know primed to be good this year before the season started. But to get that that top flight injection into the team as well. Like it's yeah, they're, they're exciting. I, I honestly can't wait to get back out to that rink and, and watch them in person just because uh, from the clips that I've been seeing and, you know, watching the the highlights, you know, on the site uh, it's just, it seems like this is, you know, I, I know that I say 
this is the year every year for the Leafs. It, I definitely don't say this is the year every year for the Wolves, but this does kind of feel like if there ever was a year for that for this team, at least in the last you know six years that I've been kind of following them like closely as team historian, like this this is the year. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's got all the feelings of an 06, 07 run here, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we're we're packing the barn now when it comes. But yeah, Mike, always a pleasure having you on the pod. Thanks again, and obviously, great stuff with the book. We can't wait to see Habs uh, three six five. But again, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. No, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, we missed it, uh, Tom. When we recorded, uh, we did not know this was happening but obviously city of Sudbury we talked about it on the Instagram made a huge investment into downtown they bought a ton of buildings right beside and businesses right beside the old barn the dogger old rock uh golden grain the um mechanic right beside the old rock so there's a bunch wacky of wings? buildings that were bought uh wacky Not wings is still in negotiations it's the only one, uh, Alexandria's. Um, yeah. So Wacky Wings is still in negotiations. I think obviously because they're kind of a chain, but we'll see what happens. So they bought um, with intentions, Tom. It seems like to either, I, I think what they do with those buildings is going to be based on what they vote to do with the arena, which is going to come up in the new year. Um, and obviously the decision now is either to build the arena where they bought these businesses or to renovate the old barn. Um, so that's kind of where, where it's at. But um, like I mentioned in the Instagram, it's the first time there's actually an opportunity and an, a little bit of um, drive from council to actually do something here, which is great. And I remember when we talked to, to Mayor Lefebvre on the pod, like he, he was committed to doing something with downtown. And obviously, this is a step uh, here in the right direction. So, yeah, uh, general thoughts, boys, on on this kind of news. I knew it was going to happen, Chim. The barn needs to be downtown. <laughs> I it sucks to see some of those businesses go, but I do believe yeah. it was time for the the this infrastructure to change. Like the well, doghouse is past its prime for sure. And and also at the end of the day, Mace, they agreed. To, to exactly. take this payout, right? I so agree. They're okay with it. They can either take the money and run. They can reinvest and go somewhere else. The only thing would be sad to see close for good would be golden grain. Yeah. Um, which is just like a staple. Almost every sense. day. Yeah. So. Um, Dogger's got to go in the new arena. We talked about this before recording. We talked. Yeah. It's got doghouse. Has every new venue arena. dude has a sweet restaurant. Restaurant. Where you can and you can just have it on the corner. It's like an entrance. It's almost separate from the rink. But yeah. when the rink's open, yeah. you just walk in. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Staple. I'm excited, man. Who knows? Like, we'll see if it actually goes through. I mean, it sounds very pretty promising, pretty legit. Yeah. But uh, fingers crossed on our end. Yeah, and uh, obviously there is the idea of renovating the old barn. I think. Why on earth? General the general consensus from everybody is like exactly means why on earth yeah, would you extend man. its life what fifteen years for two hundred million dollars? It just doesn't seem too cost effective. In five years, um, I'll be four million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and obviously the rink, 
is past its prime. Listen, I love every time I walk into that barn, I think the layout of the barn is fantastic. I agree. Um, and I hope they don't stray away too much from that other than, you know, maybe touching up the boxes um, a little bit better and just making the concourse on that side a little bit better. They have that one, like, it's not even a box, but it's kind of like a, a game, an area where people can rent out. It just, you can't see the rink. Uh, you can see center ice, but that's about it. Um, and obviously, you know, chunk of the ice coming out midway through the game uh, on the Wednesday, last Wednesday. Um, also, Rena just taking one lick after the other. Um, obviously, Garbage Gate. I'm not sure if you guys saw Garbage Gate at the arena. Uh, all the garbage from the Wolves game Friday night was not clean, and it was left everywhere mm-hmm. on the stairs. Tough look, at, uh, yeah. in the morning. That's been happening the... since I was playing minor hockey. Though. For sure, man. That's... For sure. That's not the first time that's happened, yeah. But yeah. it's also, as patrons of the arena, throw out the garbage as you're leaving. 100%, like, man. At the movie theater, why is... I do that at the movie theater. Why is it so hard to pick up a bag of popcorn, a couple cans, throw it out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And maybe they they were trying to make a point with that. I have no no idea, because there was a ton of garbage, and as a, an employee, it would it would be kind of annoying. But yeah, but also good for Dario because he's selling a lot of concessions. <laughs> Love to see that with that with the team man, with the team they have right now, and and we mentioned and we Tom and I dove into it on the in the, in the bulletin board. It's it's looking good, but again. If that arena comes around, man, you know, it, it it's looking promising. Um, I would say over under eight years. Mm-hmm. Our kids, Jim, will be playing this. Over thing. under eight years uh, is what I'm setting the rink to be built at. I'm saying over under 11. I, I want to see it by the time I'm 40. There you go. Okay. Okay, Mace. That's not a bad milestone. It's kind of sad that we're 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 guessing that far in advance, but yeah, wild. Um. Okay. Anything else, boys? Um, Halloween around the corner. What's everyone's oh, plans? Oh yeah, Jim. We have a nice little party Friday. Um, are you a big Halloween guy? I was when I was a kid. Like now I can't be bothered to like get a costume and then when there's these, you know, parties and then we got to go get a costume. It's like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's probably the first year I got excited to actually dress up though. I don't know. It's kind of like, we're not going out. Yeah. It's I, 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 just like a new, like, when did you guys stop trick or treating? Oh man. High, high school. I think grade eight for me. Grade I think nine? I did it. Grade, grade nine. nine. Yeah. Grade nine. Like we put on our school. ref jerseys and when did it? <laughs> it's I a good Halloween. feeling though Jim I, I love um, handing out candy usually grandma's here but she's back in Greece now so it's like you hand out candy with like the fam and you see all the and your mom's all happy I remember when my boys were this it's just cute it's just fun you're like oh that's a seeing the kids in the costumes is cute for sure yeah, yeah. it's 100%. a good feeling it's a good feeling yeah. um, MLB World Series I I mean I I was loving dancing on my own for about two weeks now I can't listen to it anymore the Phillies are gone so the most boring World Series final, I think, ever. Texas and Arizona. Who would have ever thought that? Insane. NBA is starting back up. It's a great great time of year. That's all I got for you. Great time to be alive. Yeah. Tom, have I ever told you about my gritty costume? 
how I got on TSN. That's I think so. Time. Yeah. But that's all time. That could be a story for next week. Halloween yeah. special. Gritty. That is all time. All time. Can we get a video um, of you doing the gritty? Oh, with yeah. my gritty hat. Gritty uh, with the gritty. Tim, do you want do you want to be gritty? I got a mask. No, no, Tim's costumes I, all time. I got a good costume. Uh I got a good costume going into uh this uh this event here. So yeah, Mace, you want to guess what I'm being Friday for the party? It's gotta mm. be Greek related. Come on, Mace. Like Apollo. No, I'm a, I'm a toga. <laughs> I got the gold. I got the the red band across. I got the Is long it, leather slippers. It's gonna fit. It's gonna fit for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, love it. Um, in other news, if uh, you are a theater person, drama and the arts, um. The curious incident of the dog in the nighttime is live right now at Sabri Theater Center. Uh, quick plug because it's local and we love it. And our boy Colton Gobo is in it. And I believe BTB will be going to watch here in the next uh, next couple weeks here. So uh, it'll be fun uh, to watch for sure. But yeah, anything else? Uh... I mean, I hate to end off on a sadder note. Chem, I'm not sure if you saw the stuff in Sault Ste. Marie. We're obviously a northern it's insane, pod. Yeah. Um, feel for all the families, you know, involved in that. And just yeah, that's a, a horrible situation. Yeah. Horrible yeah. situation, uh, up here in the North. And, uh, we send, uh, all our love to all, sure. uh, all involved. And, uh, yeah, it's uh it's a brutal situation for sure. Okay, folks. Uh, we will be back for week 132. I want to thank Zach Vanny for coming on the podcast, chatting with the boys. I want to thank Mikey Camito for coming on uh, and doing the four-pack, talking about Leafs 365 with him. Um, it was a jam-packed episode. It was uh, a good one, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. And we'll be, we will be back for week 132. Love y'all. Ciao.